Our question is, what is Medicare for all? In this episode, we explore a term often used synonymously with Medicare for all. That is, a single-payer health system. What does single-payer mean exactly, and how does it relate to Medicare for all proposals in the U.S.? Welcome to Understanding Medicare for All. I'm your host, Stacy He. And I'm your other host, Jake Petrini. Hey, Stacy, do you know what Medicare for All is? No, do you? No. We are confused, perplexed, interested, curious, and uncertain about Medicare for All. Professor William Shaw is the KT Lee Research Professor of Economics in the Department of Health Policy and Management and the Department of Global Health and Population at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. He received his PhD in economics from Harvard University. He is also a fully qualified actuary with extensive experience in private and social insurance. Dr. Shao's health, economic, and policy research program spans across developed and less developed nations. He's a leading global expert in universal health insurance, which he has studied for more than 40 years. He has been actively engaged in designing health system reforms and universal health insurance programs for many countries, including the United States, Taiwan, China, Colombia, Poland, Vietnam, Hong Kong, Sweden, Cyprus, Uganda, and most recently for Malaysia and South Africa. He also designed a single-payer universal insurance model for the state of Vermont and has consulted with other state governments as well. Throughout his long and productive career, Professor Shao has also served as an advisor to three U.S. presidents, the U.S. Congress, the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, World Health Organization, and the International Labor Organization. Basically, he's the man. And my favorite person. So we're so excited <laughs> to have him here today. Thank you for being here with us today. Uh, we are so honored to have a decorated Harvard professor of economics and the Yoda of single-payer systems <laughs> here to join us today. <laughs> professor, you've been immersed in single-payer healthcare systems for over four decades. We would be hard-pressed to find any other American who has more experience with or knows more about single-payer health systems than you do. How did your interest in single-payer health systems begin? It began when Taiwan invited me to design a new healthcare system for Taiwan. And then I began to study the different systems around the world. That's including the European nations, Japan, South Korea, Singapore. And I found the single-payer system has significant advantages. Then I began to dive into it. So why did Taiwan contact you? Well, they heard I was uh, working on uh, designing healthcare systems because uh, Carter administration engaged me to design the Carter's national health insurance plan. And, uh, and that did not go anywhere. But uh, then uh, people began to say, I've been working in the United States designing a universal national health insurance plan for the United States. So it wasn't politically feasible for President Truman to enact a national health care system, and it wasn't for President Carter as well? That's right. Uh, President Carter 
made a wrong move uh, he, politically. He tried to actually get the hospital association to back him. And uh, the organized hospitals uh, ask a pretty high price. And uh, that is, they want to make sure they uh, get well paid. And Carter was not willing to give on that. Mm. And so the, so the first major group came out against Carter plan was the American Hospital Association. And when Taiwan invited you, what made you think of single payer? Did you go into it with that? Well, Taiwan actually set three goals. One is Taiwan want to make sure it's universal mm -hmm. and everyone get equal treatment. Mm -hmm. Second, Taiwan want the system work efficiently, reduce any kind of waste. That's the, when the money is not spent for healthcare in any system. Mm -hmm. And lastly, uh, Taiwan want the system to be sustainable. And so we designed a single pair system for Taiwan, and now it has lasted 29 years already. Did you feel like a single pair system was the best way to achieve all those three goals? Exactly. Uh, a single pair system as adopted by Canada and uh, other countries shows you can provide universal coverage for everyone. And then if you design the payment system well, you give everyone equal access to healthcare. And uh, then single payer has demonstrated time and time again, it actually reduced the administrative costs for filing claims, getting bills paid, and also reduced the confusion in common people's minds. What is covered, what's not covered? What do I have to do to get paid? What forms I have to file? And uh, all of that get reduced to the minimum. And consequently, the administrative cost is low. And you create a one uniform clinical record so the patients can get continuity of care between different providers, going from primary care to specialist to hospital. You reduce tremendous amount of paperwork uh, but at the same time, you prevent some providers, as well as the insurance companies, uh, abuse the system, making a lot of profit. So we observe that in our study around the world, and there's no other system that can actually do better than single-payer system. Then we look at Canada at that time, and Canada already had the system for 15, 20 years. And so we know if it's done right, you can sustain it. That's how we recommend a, a single pair system, but of course we have to modify it and also improve it, trying to avoid the mistakes done by other single pair systems and design that for Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So at that time, when we designed it in 1990, it was the best 
single-payer system possible. But now Taiwan already falling a little bit behind. Just as anything ages, you have to renew it. And Taiwan has not been so vigorous in renewing it and improve it and uh, uh, improve it with the new knowledge and the experience from around the world. So that leads well into our next question, which, you know, we hear single payer all the time now in political rhetoric, but it's rarely clearly defined when it is used. So as an expert, single payer health systems, explain it to me like I'm five years old. I will explain to the five-year-old, from your birth to your death, your health care, the necessary health care will be paid for. And uh, this is done through a single source of funding. Pay it out using uniform rules and uh, procedures to reduce the administrative difficulties for people as well as the providers. Hmm. So that's why it's called single payer. It's a single source of financing and single pair to providers for the services you're receiving. Okay. So to translate that into five-year-old speak, <laughs> would we say um, it means that all of the money is in the hands of one group? Agency. Of right. one agency. And they are the only person or only group who pays. Right. That's people. the ideal form. Okay. Yes. So where would, I think a lot of listeners and people out there probably are wondering, like, where does the funding come from to pay for these healthcare services? So what are different methods out there? Um, how does the money kind of come to this one agency? The way, uh, you know, ideal sy system like what Canada has adopted and Taiwan has adopted, the money come from the taxes a designated tax in Taiwan fund this single-payer healthcare system. So the patients doesn't have to pay anything except some modest amounts. And uh, nobody else has to pay anything. So that's why it's so simple mm -hmm. and not confusing. Mm -hmm. But then just to be clear, when you're saying, or when anyone is saying single-payer health system, uh, they're not referring to where the money comes from, right? They're referring to who is doing the paying, and that's only one group. Yes, but I'm talking about the definition for ideal system. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're really trying to adopt a single-payer system, you have to start with what you already have. So in the United States, most likely the employers will continue to pay some. And, but then there will be other taxes coming in to support it. The source of the funding will be more than one, mm -hmm. but it goes into one central agency. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so like comparing today where a provider who has many patients might receive payments from different insurance companies and from the federal government and from out of pocket from people 
they would now just be receiving under a single payer system payments from one single agency. That's correct. And then for uh, in terms of where all the money is coming from, you would have it coming from out of uh, payroll or income tax for the individual, but also a payroll and income tax from the actual companies that employ individuals. Yes. Uh, often I use the word single pipe. I think people understand now we have many, many pipes. Uh, physician or hospital usually have to build more than 30 different insurance plans. Each one has its own rules. Each one has its own benefit package. Mm -hmm. And uh, each one ha may have its different rates of payment. Here, everything is consolidated to one single uniform pipe. Mm -hmm. And so when we're thinking about single-payer assistance, we're thinking about it in the US context. So I think a lot of our listeners are curious how would you describe and explain Medicare for all using the single payer framework or other frameworks that you've come to understand? I would say what has been proposed by Senator Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and others, they have proposed the ideal form of single payer. And uh, that is universal coverage of every American and also a single source of financing and single source of payment. So th they have taken the ideal model. But United States already has its own starting point to trying to get everything into that ideal form may be very difficult. So I think United States have to actually form its own pathways. How do you actually achieve the universality and the reduction in cost of healthcare, improve the quality of healthcare, which single payer can achieve, but maybe making modifications to achieve that because you are trying to, in some ways, you may try to fit a square peg into a round hole mm -hmm. if that round hole is the ideal form. And that would be very difficult. That process has not started in America, mm -hmm. not even debated. Interesting. How do we actually round out these sharp corners, mm -hmm. make that fit into a single pipe, round pipe? <laughs> <laughs> So then, when people are saying Medicare for all now, what do they mean? I think the proponents usually talk about the ideal. And, uh, but then there are some congressmen, senators trying to propose, let's say, the public option. But that's not a single payer plan. The public option is trying to expand the number of people covered by health insurance, by giving people the option to buy a public insurance plan like Medicare. But it does not take all the different pipes and put it into one pipe. That can actually reduce so much savings. Here I'd like to add, it's well documented, 30% of the healthcare spending in the United States 
is wasted. And this is done by different groups, by the most uh, reputable unbiased group, the National Academy of Medicine. So there's very little disagreement on the amount of waste. And a single pair will reduce that waste measurably. And the other options, like public option, will not reduce that waste. Mm -hmm. So you and I will have to continue to pay, on average, more than 20% of our compensation for health insurance. And that means our cash salaries decrease by that amount. Because employer is looking at how much do I have to pay to an employee in total compensation package, not just cash salary or health insurance or pension or holidays. Employer usually have done all the calculation. If the employer pays more for health insurance premium, the employer is going to cut back your cash wage or your pensions. Mm -hmm. No, no, like that. Before you even see it. Right, mm -hmm. before you see it. Mm -hmm. And this is something American public doesn't understand. And this is even American, most American workers, union leaders, does not understand. Hmm. You see, some unions do not find this trade-off between cash wage uh, and the health insurance costs because they have quite a monopoly and that was the true, let's say, with United Auto Workers, U.S. Steel Workers. And that's still true, actually, with uh, government employees, unions. Mm. But even with teachers, you see the teachers get very low cash salary, but they, they get very high health insurance mm. coverage. So the U.S. government employee unions would say, no, I don't see that trade-off for me. Mm. That's because they are a powerful union, and they can actually, if they go on strike, they will shut down the government. Mm. Please stay tuned for episode five with Professor Xiao, in which we discuss how Americans can make sense of health reform efforts in the U.S. and evaluate what they choose to support or oppose. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website where we will have a summary of the episode as well as links and articles for additional learning. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time.